this week, as you notice, is, uh, it kicks off our global, global ministries week. Um, where, where we just have a, we want to give you, give you an understanding of what's going on around the world. Inside your bulletins, um, you'll see that uh, our, uh, our global ministry conference starts this week. And, and that means we have different speakers throughout the week, different people that are coming from other nations, other places around the world to tell you what's going on, the work that they've done. And I would really encourage you, if there's any chance this week that you can get to any of these speakers, it's going to be a powerful week. Um, every time I go overseas or hear from someone overseas, it just blows my mind because I get so caught up in my little world here in Simi Valley. And pretty much I start thinking like, uh, this, is, this is it, you know, and, and, and then you start thinking that our problems are major and then you start listening to people around the world and you realize, okay, there's a lot more to this world than Simi Valley. And that, that's what these guys are going to do. They're going to come and, and share with you opportunities and things you can do. In fact, out in the lobby, there's another little uh, pamphlet, uh, this little fold-out thing that you can get. And this tells you about different opportunities that we have all around the world where you can go on a short-term mission trip um, to different places around the world and just different events that we're, we're sponsoring that maybe you'll want to go or maybe you'll want to help a college student or someone younger head over there and uh, you can help sponsor them for that. But um, I don't know. I, 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 remember, I remember when I would attend a church and I'd hear it's missions week. Uh, it didn't mean a whole lot to me. It was like, ah, you know, who's going to be there? Some old guy showing me slides. And, and now it's like, this is so huge to me um, because some of you in this room right now won't, won't be with us in a couple of years. And, and I think about some of the people that used to just sit in this room and now they're somewhere overseas. And I think, okay, there, there's, with a group this size, some of you will end up in another country, serving God in another country. And, and I just want to show you some slides of just a few of our missionaries, the people that were sitting here not too long ago. Um, if you remember... Uh, this one was uh, taken at night. Okay, now there, the, the Chantier. T you remember Tim and Courtney? They were just here not too long ago, and they're, they're, right now they're in Pap Papua New Guinea. You can show the next slide. That's, this is where they're at now. Okay, so they were sitting in the room where you were at, and this is where they're sitting now. Isn't that just weird? Uh, going to the next one. Heather Wilson, I don't know if you remember her, she came up here and she was telling us about how she was going to go out, out to the Middle East, Afghanistan area, and, uh, and uh, that's, that's where she is now. Isn't that nuts? Like someone was sitting here, the Simi Valley, it's all I know, and suddenly that's where she's been now. The next one, Melissa Sparrow. Can you guess which one's her? <laughs> but she, you know, she was here. here here's the oats. Kevin and Jessica, remember them? He, he led our, our Bible Institute. You know, Eternity Bible College kind of sprung out of our Bible Institute, and Kevin was the one that led that, and that's where he is now, in Lima, Peru. The next one, the, the Cratches, Mike and Jen and the boys. Um, he owned a screen business here in town, lived up there in their bridal path, and now uh, he's in Papua New Guinea. Next one, that's where he's at now. The Atherstones, most recently. Um, he was our youth pastor out in a Moore, our Moore Park Church, and he was a part of Cornerstone Simi for a while, and then uh, led our youth ministry out in Moore Park, and now he's in Uganda, so this is where he's at. 
So those are our missionaries, uh, a few of them anyways, that we had pictures of them. And, and you know, I, I was talking to uh, some of them this week, and I said, you know what, what do you struggle with? And one of them said, you know, just loneliness. It's just weird, you know, I'm sitting in this crowd at Cornerstone, surrounded, you know, with this fellowship of all these people we all believed, we lived in that same city, we were my friends, we got tight, and now suddenly I'm sitting on the other side of the world by myself. And try to imagine what that would feel like. I mean, some of them have been out there for years now. They, they left the environment that they were so comfortable in, and, and now they're somewhere else. And uh, what we're going to do tonight, um, we set up? Okay. We're, we've actually called Mike and Jen Cratch. They're in Papua New Guinea, and they're on the phone right now. Okay. <laughs> So, Mike, I, I, if this works, I think you're live here at Cornerstone. Uh, can you hear us? Hey, Mike, are you there? Yes, I can. You can hear me? Yeah, we hear you now, man. Man, we just want to call and tell you that we're thinking about you. We love you guys. We think the world of you. Man, tell us what's going on out there. Tell me something exciting that's going on in Papua New Guinea. Oh, wow. It's a stunning experience. It's um, yeah, very nice. Um, actually, i tell you what. The neatest thing, we just found out um, a couple things, actually. One, there's a tribe out here. Some of our missionaries are working. Um, one exciting. We've had over 200 people get saved in the last few days. Turn it off. Anyway, it's over here, you part of that. Can you guys hear? Can you, can you hear that? Okay. How? Uh, t- tell us what. Uh, since you've been out there, what's what's the most difficult thing you've been through out there in Papua New Guinea? What's been the hardest experience out there for you? can we pray for you and Jen and the boys? What, what, what's your greatest prayer request right now? Um, greatest prayer request? Well, you know, you've you got to mention just the health and safety. Um, just had an incident yesterday. These two started fighting and out came the knives and they went running right by my kids, chasing each other with knives. It's just constantly, it's almost an unspoken, but to remind you guys of that is, is on my heart and um, tomorrow we have the plane reserved. Um, we'll be flying out over the top of two tribes that are our potential locations for us. Might even drop some letters out the window trying to see what their level of interest is, what their level of exposure to the outside world is, and, and that's kind of a, 
a prelude to the, the next few months where we'll actually be hoping to get a helicopter and land there and talk with them and, and build a relationship that would open the door to us having a ministry there. So those two things, and just it's, it's a time where we have all the training, we have what we need, all the pieces are together, and, and yeah, we're just absolutely waiting on his timing to make this happen, on the Lord's timing. And in a sense, it's a good place to be. There's nothing more we can do, but there are a few things that do need to happen if we're going to move out into one of these tribes in the next few months. So just grabbing our hand, praying with us, seeking God to just to make it clear that this is his work and that he's, he's doing it. Wow. Hey, Mike, we, we will pray for you. And I want you to know when we get off the phone that, uh, that you can just know at that moment that our whole body here, um, there's about probably 800 of us in this room will be praying for you. But before we get off the phone, I, I'm just curious if you could say anything to us here in Simi Valley. If there's just, I know I didn't prepare you for this, but just, just anything that you want to say to us before you get off the phone. Yeah, um, I mean, first is just thank you. So many of you guys have helped us along the way. Um, yeah, I had to throw that out there. And second would be just, um, you know, it's hard. We're out here. There's this incredible need that I'm talking about. We do need help. Um, it's There's no other way to put it. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. So um, it's been a tough. We've been walking down this road six and a half years, but we hear about these stories just the other day, this you know, almost entire tribe coming to get saved. And um there's just, I just got to tell you what it's like to be over here and to be part of that and encourage people to consider would they be willing to do this, willing to come help us. Um, we're seeing more and more. You cannot live in this environment for 20 years. And so maybe we do the first 10 to 12 and maybe Cornerstone raises up someone else. You know, you see uh, Paul send a Titus and a Timothy to go and bind them. Maybe there'd be some people that say, you know what, let's be about reaching an entire nation, entire language group. I would come and consider joining with us and helping us so that we can do this job and not look back and say, well, a few people got saved, but that we really reach the entire group, translate the scriptures. And so I guess all this to say, Francis, we just, we're just asking people to consider it. Just in nothing else, just obedience to the word to get out there and get him proclaimed and, and just got to consider it and come to help. Well, Mike, you, you have no idea how touching this is for us to sit here and hear your voice and know you're out there, man. You're just doing it. Everything we talk about out here in Simi Valley, you're doing it. And, uh, man, before you get off the phone, we would just like to, uh, just as a, a congregation, hopefully you can hear them all, but we just want to show how much we support you and how much we love you guys. Mike, any regrets? No, not at all. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, no, no regrets. And just, again, just brought my wife and I to tears. You guys are great. Thank you so much for everything. Is, is Jennifer there with you? Yeah, she's standing right here. Yeah, can you have her say a few words? She sounds better than you do. <laughs> no doubt about that. Yep, here she is. Okay. Hello, Cornerstone.
So Jen, how are you holding up with you and your boys and being a mom and trying to keep up with Mike and everything else? How are you doing? Well, right now a little emotional, but besides all that, we're doing really good. I'm praising God daily for the health of my children. Um, schooling gets a little hard and frustrating at times, school in three grades, but we're hanging in there. Um, doing great. The kids are loving it here, making a lot of friends with the nationals, and um, have gotten most of the um, the national language here so they can communicate. But, hey, we're doing great. It does get uh, frustrating at times as I pretty much lost all freedom as far as going anywhere. Sometimes I don't get to town for weeks on end because I can't go anywhere alone. But, you know, just learning to be content in all circumstances and just hanging in there and just thanking so much that we have Cornerstone behind us. Jen, we just we we love you guys so much, and uh, man, it's so good to hear your voice. You know, we're looking at your picture. You're on the screen. You look great on the picture. Know that we uh, we absolutely love you guys, and when you hang up the phone, we're just going to have a word of prayer for you guys. And so, you know, in fact, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just pray for you right now. You you can just stay on the line, and maybe you and Mike can listen in together. Let's pray, you guys. Okay. All right. Oh, Father, it's just. It's such an awesome thought to know that a part of our body is, a, is on the other side of the world serving you. And man, they're just living it out. They're, just, they're doing everything they can to tell the world about your love. God, I thank you for their example to us. I thank you for their faith, their courage. God, I thank you that they have eternity in their minds, that they're looking to do things and spend their lives in such a way that it honors you. And so, God, I just thank you for them. I thank you for Mike and Jen and the boys, God, for the, the danger they're willing to go through and everything else, Lord, because of the love that you've shown them. And now, God, as they, they reach out to these tribes, Lord, and as they're picking a tribe to go to, Father, I, I just pray that you send them to the right one. And even now, as they're having opportunities and they're trying to, to get across, even with the language barrier, your love for them, God, I pray that you would supernaturally do that that somehow just through, their, through what words they do know, God, that the people would see through that. God, your Holy Spirit can penetrate that language barrier and we ask that to happen. I pray that you continue to encourage Mike and Jen and God, that you would use them in huge ways. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, God, for allowing us to share in this work with Mike and Jen. God, keep them strong. Help them through the most difficult times. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, you guys. Well, we're going to get off the phone because uh, this is costing a lot. No, I'm kidding. We're, uh, we're going to get off the phone because now I've got to spend a few minutes trying to convince these guys to join you. So, uh, hey, thanks, thanks for being there. We love you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, all right? Thank you very much, all of you guys. We really appreciate everything. And yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be in touch again. All right. God bless. See you, Mike. That's just too intense.
I mean, that's just, you know, it was, it was Mike that I, I was emailing earlier this week, and he, he's, he's the one that told me, you know, it's, things are good, but it's just the loneliness factor. You just, you just can't get, I can't even fathom, you know, being away for this long, and, uh, and, and, and yet they're doing it. Um, you know, from the latest stats, about 28% of the earth's population still has not heard the gospel. And they don't have access to the gospel yet, 28%, which is down, it was 44% in 1970. So we're down to 28%, which is good, but um, the stats are that 48,000 people die every day who never had the chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 48,000 a day. And so that's who Mike and Jen and the kids are out reaching, is they're searching for these tribes who have never heard about Jesus. And they're learning their language and trying to translate the scriptures in their language. First, they, no one even knows their language. They don't have a written language, and so they try to understand it and then share with them. Um, you know, I, I want to put up... A, there's a, you know, we talk about how there's 48,000 people who die every day who never heard about Jesus. Every day. And, uh, and that's our mission. That's our mission as a church. You know, someone showed me this this week, but uh, here's, here's an ad from, uh, from Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's vision is a can of Coke in the hand of every person on the planet. That's their goal. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, and so they're, they're on this campaign where they're trying to literally get to every single person on the planet so that everyone can taste Coca-Cola. Go ahead and go to the next one. And, and that's their vision. They have this huge vision of we're going to go and reach the world for Coca-Cola. Here's our purpose statement. To give every individual in our community an accurate picture of God and to help those who believe become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, 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 here's our purpose statement that we wrote probably about 11 years ago. Okay, probably a year, maybe two years into the church. I don't remember. But about six, seven years ago, a guy named Brad Buser, who he's spoken here before. In fact, he'll be speaking here this week. He challenged me when I was at a camp. He goes, you know, I, I came to your church. You know, love your church and everything else. But I look at the mission statement, and it says to give every individual in your community an accurate picture of God. He goes, what's that about? This was about seven years ago. He goes, seriously, Francis, that, that's your goal is to reach your community, Simi Valley? Do you not realize that, you know, Simi Valley's heard the gospel. They have opportunities to hear the gospel and there are people all around the world who don't have an accurate picture of God because they don't get to hear it. He goes, I really think you need to change that purpose statement. I was like, Brad, man, you're, you're absolutely right. And so, you know, actually with the elders and I were working on changing this because the, the whole idea is we're, we're not... I, I think initially, you know, my brain thought, man, Simi Valley is so huge. You know, how are the you know, 20, 30, 40 of us going to reach Simi Valley? Well, you know what, that, that was our community. But in the last 12 years, especially in the last five to seven years, Cornerstone's really become a global church. I mean, if you look even on the, our podcast, I mean, people all around the world are listening in on the message. And now our goal, you know, for the last few years has not been just to give every individual in our community an accurate picture of God, but really every, every person on our planet 
an accurate picture of God. And that's why we're sending missionaries all around the world. That's why we started our Bible college, so we could raise up college students who had an understanding of the Word of God and could actually teach others. And so that once they got that knowledge, then they would go to the ends of the earth and start teaching the Word of God. That's why we, we air a television show, not just in Simi Valley, but all throughout different parts of Southern California and even over Af out in Africa. And we have a radio ministry and, and on and on and on. The whole idea is, you know, we're getting so far beyond this little city of Simi Valley. And um, you go ahead and turn that off. Um, but, but, you know, it's interesting because I talked to a pastor up north who, whose church is, is getting huge. And, and I just asked him, I go, you know, what's, what's, tell me, tell me just some things you'd like to teach me. And he says, you know, the one thing you've got to do is keep doing the things you did at first. You see, a lot of churches, when they're small and there's 20, 30 people, they go, man, how are we going to survive? We bet, well, let's start telling people about Jesus. Let's get more and more people in this room. And you do it for a while, but then you get to a certain size and then people start complaining and go, mm, now it's too big. You know, now it's getting too big. I liked it when it was smaller. I liked it when we just had fewer people. and you know, we, we shouldn't get any bigger because then we'll be like a mega church and this and that. And, and you know what? It's, just, it's not as close as it used to be. It's not this. It's not that. And so, so we all just kind of get a little ingrown and go, okay, okay, that's it, that's it, that's it. Okay, no one else. No one else can come to our church. Let's just, let's just slow down. Let's not do any services, any more services. And uh, people are saying, we're trying to do too much. We're trying to, go to all, we're trying to help all these poor people all around the world. We're trying to send people. Some of our best people are going out and planting churches. You're getting the best families out of Simi Valley to actually move out to Texas, out to Idaho, out to Ohio, out to, you know, wherever. And he goes, you're, you're going to kill this thing if you keep sending, 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 and growing, 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 and building, building, building. Why don't we put a stop to it? And... And my answer to that is 48,000 people die, die every day without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable to keep growing and it stretches us. And as we grow as a church, we're able to give more and more money to all of these causes and all these places and feed more of the hungry. And, and, and you know, honestly, I mean... I just can't stand that thought of that many people dying every day and the fact that we are in a position to do something about it. And that's why we talk about this church growing and taking it to another level and not saying we're comfortable now because our church has always been about a mission, about reaching this community. And once we've reached this community, it's like, okay, now let's, let's keep going. You know, like the Bible says, you know, be my witnesses there in Jerusalem, but then to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so that's kind of what we've been doing. It's like, okay, we'll be as witnesses here in Simi Valley, but now let's start hitting the San Fernando Valley and Moore Park a little bit. You know, how about Ventura? How about that area? Now to the ends of the earth, that's what we're trying to do. And, and honestly, we, we have to keep doing it. Um, I, I absolutely have no interest in pastoring a stagnant church. Um, that, that just doesn't even, uh, that doesn't excite me at all. I just won't do it. You know, when we, we stop pursuing other people with the good news of Jesus Christ, that's when I just stop pastoring. And uh, so understand the decisions we make to go out and reach these people is we've got to understand there's a lot more on this earth than Simi Valley. But there's a lot of good news. A lot of times when I, I hear mission stats, I get bummed out. 
Right? You know, whenever you hear mission stats, but I was reading some, and, and there's some great things that God is doing around the world. We'll start with China. Um, the church in China has actually, since the communist takeover in 1949, the, the, the Christian church has actually grown since the communist takeover tenfold. They estimate there are more Christians in China than there are in America now. It's pretty intense. In, in Nepal, the, the, the nation of Nepal, in 1960, in 1960 in Nepal there were 25 believers estimated, 25 Christians. Now there are over 400,000. In the Philippines, in 1975, there were 3,000 churches. Today there are over 50,000. In Sudan, Africa, in 1960, 5% of Sudan claimed to be Christian. Now 70% claims Christ. In Congo, in the year 1900, it was less than 2% claiming Christ, claiming to believe in Jesus. Today, 95% of the Congo claims to believe in Jesus Christ. In Iran, more Muslims have come to Christ since 1980 than in the previous thousand years combined. In Korea, in 1900, there were no Protestant, zero Protestant churches in Korea. It was considered impossible to penetrate. And now, just in the capital, in Seoul, Korea, they have 7,000 churches. And they send out 1,000 missionaries every year. Korea is sending out 1,000 missionaries every year. See, that's what God's doing around the world. There's a lot of exciting things going on in a lot of countries. And a lot of times we just, we get so myopic. We just think about Simi Valley and Cornerstone Church and what's going on here. You know, it seems like my neighbors don't believe in God. It seems like everyone's kind of casual about this. And you start hearing about the movements that are going on around the world. And uh, you think about China where it's illegal and yet they're in these underground churches worshiping, praising God, and fear for their lives. But at the same time, like the Cratches, they just go, you know what, what else am I going to spend my life on? Uh, it, it's worth dying for. You know, there's a, there's a passage I, I want to close with. Um, and I turn there for a couple reasons. One, when we first started as a church, the very first Sunday I preached out of this passage in Malachi chapter 1, in Malachi chapter 1, I, I, this was my heart the very first Sunday. I, I just said, you know, we've we got to give God excellence. And Malachi, you know, was the last, last uh, prophet, you know, before, you know, he prophesied John the Baptist, the forerunner, and the Christ coming. You know, there's 400 years of silence after Malachi. But, but he, 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 he preached at a time when people were like, oh yeah, sure, the Christ is coming, sure, the Christ is coming. And it was just kind of getting old, and then Jesus comes. And, and I, I love the book because I believe that that's the, that's the world we live in right now, where some of us, ever since we were kids, heard, oh, Jesus could return any time. You're like, okay, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And you just kind of get casual in your worship of him and your love for him. And, uh, and, and God speaks to the prophet Malachi in chapter 1, verse 6, he says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where's the honor due me? If I'm a master, where's the respect that's due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. 
But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is it not wrong? And and that word is actually evil. And when you, you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not evil? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? The verse 10 nailed me. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. God says to these people who are kind of giving them these half-hearted sacrifices and bringing them because they're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, time for worship again. Time to go give to God. And they give these half-hearted worship services, sacrifices. And God says, you know what? I wish someone would shut the doors to that temple. I'd rather they just not worship me at all than to bring me this half-hearted lame sacrifice. He says, because I'm a great God. And he says, and my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be burned in my name, a pure offering. And that passage always struck me because, you know, when I hear about Christians around the world and some of the things they suffer and some of the things they fight for, when I hear about the way they worship and give and really give their lives to the Lord, and then I look at this passage and, and I, I just, I remember that first thing I go, I don't ever want to be a church where God looks down and goes, you know what, if that's all you've got, just close the doors. Just shut the doors to that place because that's not the way you worship a holy God. He goes, I deserve your best. He goes, my name will be great among the nations. So if you don't want to worship me, there are people all around the world who will worship me. See, that passage struck me because when I was raised in church, you know, they would always beg you, come on, just sing a little bit, just give a little bit. Oh, good, you sang. Oh, good, you gave a little bit. Woo, you know, God's so happy. And then I read this passage and that's not God's response. God's saying, you know what? I'm not going to beg you. If you don't want to worship me, don't. Just close the doors to that place. Because you know what? I'm a great God. He says, my name will be great. I'm a holy, awesome God. And there are people all around this planet that will worship my name. And they're not ashamed of me. They're not inhibited. They will give me their all. They will give me all of their worship. And that passage always struck me because I didn't want this to be a church where God one day would just say, oh, just close the doors. That's why I always fight for a purity of worship. That's why I try to fight every time I come in this room going, okay, God, help them to see how great you are. And I'm going to be honest, there have been a couple of times, man, where I came this close just to walking up on stage and just saying, you know what, this is ridiculous. This is just ridiculous. Where where I literally prayed to God and said, God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry we're singing to you like this. I'm so sorry we give to you like this. We We don't mean, we're just not thinking. We've just got our minds bogged down with other things this week and we forgot what we came in this room to do. Because I don't want to be this church. I don't want to be this temple that God says, just knock it off. If you're going to give me half your heart, I don't want it. It's all or nothing. 
And that's what, that's the type of church we want to be. And you know, there's some of you in this room that that still don't even believe in a God, much less worship Him. And um, from everything I understand in this book, this book tells me that even these people that Mike and Jennifer are going to in this tribe out there, because people always ask, well, what about the people in the tribe who've never heard Alana? You know, the Bible says that through God's creation, ever since God created this world, His invisible qualities and His divine nature have been clearly seen through what has been made so that men are without excuse. You know, we hear of missionaries like Mike and Jen. They go to this other tribe and they get there and sometimes they start talking and these people will say, we knew there was this being. And we even prayed and asked this being to send someone to tell us more about him and then you showed up. And we hear these reports of these, these people going, man, how do these people know? Well, the Bible says that everyone knows. But what we choose to do is to suppress the truth, Romans 1 says. That everyone in this room honestly knows in their hearts that they weren't an accident. See, sometimes I, I spend time and I try to convince you, no, you're not an accident. No, this isn't just... You know it in your heart. You know there's a God. A maker. Deep down in the recesses of your soul, when you look around and you, you just look around the foothills here and you just look around this world, you go, okay, there was design to this. There was a creator. And you also know that you're not a good person. Even though everyone else tells you and such a popular thing to say, oh, he's a good guy, she's a good, she's a good person. And other people may tell you, oh, you're such a good person, you're good, 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 good. You in your own heart. The Bible says that the law was written in your heart. That somehow, even if, if no one's ever told you you know there have been things you've done in your life. You in your own heart know there's things you've done in your life that are offensive to a holy God. They were just wrong. They were evil. That you know these things. I don't have to convince you of it. And if you were honest with yourself, you'd know these things and you'd say these things. But you suppress it. The Bible tells us that even though you are guilty though, that this God in heaven who made you still loves you. He loves you so much that He had His Son come down on the earth and on that cross, Jesus was paying for your crimes that you know you're guilty of. Jesus paid for those. The Bible says if you will embrace that relationship with you, you will accept this free gift, you can have eternal life. You can have this relationship with God where there's no barrier anymore of all your crimes, all your sin, everything you did where you offended Him and you know you have. The Bible says that barrier is taken away because of Christ. He becomes this bridge and you can have a relationship with Him and you can begin that today. But I'm not going to beg you because there's nothing I can do to make you believe. And if you don't believe, it doesn't matter because other people in this room, we're going to worship God and there are people all around the world that will worship God. 
but I want you to really pray and think through, is it really that you don't believe in God or is it that you don't want to? Is it that you really don't believe in Jesus or that you don't want to? For those who aren't walking with him and following him, is it really that you don't or that you can't or that you won't? Say, oh, that sin's too hard, I can't. You can't or won't? You guys, we want to, on our 12-year anniversary, come before God and, and give him an offering of ourselves that's pure and undefiled the purity to come with childlike faith and say, okay, God, I, I want to give you all of my worship and you everything that I am. If you've never given your life to Jesus, that's where it starts. To say, okay, I know there's a God. No, I've offended Him. I didn't know that I, I could just come into a relationship tonight. Yeah, you can. And you can begin that tonight. You can get baptized tonight and just say, I'm done with this whole old life and I'm ready to start a new life. 